Yeah, you're listening to Sideshow Cheers. That's right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what we're doing here, right? Is mm. this is this Sideshow Cheers? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Sideshow Friends. Sideshow Friends, someday. Yep. You never know. We can't just be giving away all these golden ideas <laughs> here. Has anyone even thought to do a podcast about another TV show? Certainly not. I don't think so. I think we're the first of our kinds here. I can't tell. Pioneer. Walking on the moon. That's <laughs> right. We are pioneers. Trendsetters. The final frontier. I set a trend when I was in high school. I remember you walked up to a uh, like clipboard that was mounted. It wasn't a clipboard. It was. That's right. You walked up to a wall that said sign up for choir or like sign up for guidance counselor. And there was a clipboard beneath <laughs> that sheet that said, or just a piece of paper that said sign up for guidance counseling or something like that. <laughs> there was a clipboard to take. But you just signed up on the sheet of paper above it that said signed up for guidance counseling or something. <laughs> I, it made no logical sense. It was the most permanent way to mark your name on something that was not removable. They couldn't take any sheets from it. It wasn't a list format. It was just like the sign that told you to do it. So that's how I should. I don't know if other people did that, but you tagged it. You tagged that sign requesting uh, <laughs> guidance counseling. That was the first time I yeah I started realizing that I love graffiti. What elective did you go with in ninth grade? I think that's what they were there for. This was like the first week of the year. God, elective in ninth grade. I don't know. Office aid? I don't think I did that. I did. Uh, I think you tried. Office aid's a good one. That's a freebie period. That's a freebie if you can, period. If you can get an office aid gig, ooh, sweet deal right there. I don't remember. I don't even remember what you're talking about. I think that's actually what it was. Sign up to be an office aide or something like that. They were probably like, no. And you just signed up on the thing that said sign up to be an office (laughs) aide. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And there was a clipboard right beneath it on the wall. Where you were supposed to sign up. Yeah, and there was like 20 empty spaces for people to sign and you signed it like (laughs) right below (laughs) the like poster board that they put up for it. And you're like, okay. I said, I don't think you were doing a bit. You just did it. As in, as in, this was not a bit you were doing. It was just me being dumb. Anyway, back to you. What what trend did you set? Because that's the first one that popped into mind when you mentioned a trend in school. So I, I guess I got real bored and I drew like some bullshit on my pants, some some stupid thing on my pants and like with a pen. And then somebody was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And then within the next week, like there was like 50 people that drew all over their pants and the, the credit for setting the trend went to another guy who was an actual artist and who started doing it and like telling people like, Hey, I'll do it for five bucks for you or whatever. And he was obviously much more talented than I am, but never got the credit for being the guy that showed the guy that technically got the credit for setting the trend. I think you just described American capitalism since, uh, the invention of time. Pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> Listen, there are some good people that come up with ideas, and then there are other people who just uh, take those ideas and do them better and <laughs> yeah. then capitalize upon them and, uh, you know, give no credit to the originators of that idea. Yeah, man, like Graham Bell and, and Minucci. 
Minucci actually invented the telephone. Graham Bell was like, give it to me. No, Graham Bell invented those crackers. The ones with cinnamon on them, too. They're like honey made oh, and man. cinnamon grams. He oh, was, he was a. Teddy grams. Oh. <sighs> What's your favorite Teddy Graham? Because they come in the all chocolate, the honey, and the like chocolate chip. The honey ones are the best. I agree completely. I have no debate for this. Are those so, the original ones? I would imagine so. Yeah. It's been years since I've had a Teddy Graham. I'm going to have to get some Teddy Grahams now. <laughs> Why do we do this to so ourselves? Good. You know, they, you know, Teddy Graham's basically just cereal. So you could just put some milk on it and just eat it like cereal. Probably be good. I think most foods are basically just cereal because cereal is just what? Like corn or oats mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I think anything if you like, took the seasoning off it or just seasoned it a little differently. Sure. In terms of like the cracker and chip genre. I make a baked potato cereal every morning. Oh my God. What's the cheese that you put on there? Do you melt it or do you keep it cold? Like cold shredded? It's cold shredded. That's the way I would do so it. So I just float little bits and pieces. That's, that's what I would do. Around. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, you could just drop chop, a little, some, chop some chives up in it. Man, that's not a bad idea. Send me that <laughs> recipe. Uh, can you freeze those? Do they hold? They do. Yeah. You can freeze them in the bowl and then just take them out and eat them like a popsicle. I'm, man, I am blown away right now. That sounds like the the way to do lazy breakfast baked potato, and I am in. Yeah, dude. Oh, it, it saves tons of time. I can imagine it does. Speaking of time, one thing we're great at definitely not wasting around here. <laughs> this is Sideshow Frasier. It's a podcast about Frasier and uh, one other show from that same broadcast, <laughs> broadcast, the broadcast week in history. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Shackelford, my uh, co-host over here, Jordan Wilson, who you heard a moment ago. If you don't know our voices, Jordan, say um, potato. Potato. That's him. Uh, And this is me talking right now, Steve Shackelford. Whoop, now you know who we are. (laughs) This week's Sideshow, we're going to be covering Married with Children. So it's an all-Christmas episode. We've got uh, the season one Christmas episode of Frasier called Miracle on 3rd or 4th Street, and... The Married with Children episode, also Christmas-themed. It's called The Worst Noel. Yeah, if it wasn't all Christmas, I feel like my OCD would have kicked in and been like, no, we got to pick a Christmas episode to match. It's not matchy-matchy. And that's what was weird is that, I guess, you know, some series know exactly when, you know, the broadcast air date is going to align, and they commit, and they know, oh, okay, this is going to be a mid-season episode. It's December. Let's make sure we roll out a Christmas one. Right. And other shows either didn't do it this week or they knew they had another week so we went with an all christmas because i think originally we did have slotted a like a boy meets world I think episode it was boy meets here. world yeah and it was the father-son game i think <clears throat> i remember it being one i looked back looked at fondly when i was a child a baseball game or something like that and it mirrored kind of the uh wonder years fred savage storyline a little bit okay maybe, okay which is a good uh jack uh, arnold kevin arnold storyline old jack and kevin god i love the wonder years my wife doesn't exactly she does like the show but she does not like kevin kevin is kind of a trash human yeah exactly i i think that's what they were going for a little bit you want to hear my kevin impression please by all means this is the most said line in by kevin arnold in the wonder the hit series the wonder years this is what he says the most out of the whole series ready you ever think of that? Okay. He, uh, the whole series, yeah. he drops that on he there? He drops that on there the most times out of anything. That's the most said line he always says. He says that the most out of any other thing. Man, you'd think it would Did be you ever like, think of that? Did you ever think of that? Weird. I wonder who, like, because that had to identify with some writer where they, you know, picked up on that as a, you know, 
hook or something I guess. like that. That was and his like, like catchphrase. That's thing. Maybe he maybe he did that naturally, and they're like, just keep doing that. That's fine. Or maybe that's all they had. It was ad libbed or something, and then they were like, oh yeah, we like that. We like that side of Kevin. <laughs> Man, I can't believe that uh, that Paul guy ended up being Marilyn Manson. Yeah, what a wild ride he had. What a wild time it was in the 90s when stuff could just spread around <laughs> like that. And you're like, I think he's the drummer for Marilyn Manson. You're like, no, he no, is he Marilyn is, Manson. That is Marilyn. Look at him. And then you compare two pictures and you're like, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, definitely. That's the guy from Sweet Dreams. I know it. Take off his glasses and, and then change his face completely. It's him. At the guy from Blues Traveler lost weight, and it's him too. And you're like, no, I don't think it is. Wait, There's that no- was a rumor too. No, I, said, okay. I think. <laughs> I think no, I don't know what rumors there were about him. It was some weird ones. John Popper. Then. Yeah, there were some weird ones. Really, about I never him. heard them. I'm not going to reveal them here. It was like Richard Gere stuff. I think. Oh, I brother, know. I'm going to have to look that up on the on the interweb. Oh yeah, brother, got to look that <laughs> thing up on the internet. All right, so let's get in the uh, Christmas spirit here. Uh, jingle, jingle, how's it going? Uh, so Miracle on 3rd or 4th Street, this is when Frazier's plans uh, for Christmas with Frederick Martin and Niles are derailed after Lilith decides to take Frederick to Austria. Uh, this is not Australia. Austria, Austria. Very different. First time hearing of it. Uh, already angry, <laughs> Frazier then has a bitter argument with Martin and agrees to do the Christmas day shift at the radio station, which proves to be depressing. Yep. Who would have thunk? Gee. <laughs> Before we get into it, they mention how, uh, just in the synopsis, the like bare-bones synopsis that the internet pulls for us here, uh, they say, hey, it proves to be depressing. I don't know how Frasier's show isn't always depressing. Like, <laughs> I, I really don't understand the format into how it can be that entertaining other than man these people are kind of interesting and i i kind of enter you know kind of empathize with them or i'm going through the same stuff or whatever but it's gotta be people just depressed out of their minds that call in well yeah i mean they're calling in a, a psychiatrist and normally somebody that needs to talk to a psychiatrist yeah they're gonna be talking about sort of sad stuff or stuff that i don't know I, I see what you mean, though. Yeah, it's like, how is it not always depressing? Yeah, and so later, Roz does say, like, only the most depressing people call in on this day. And so I'm like, okay, this is clearly excessive, but it seems like it would be a common uh, common thing here. Mm-hmm. So guest callers, we had a bunch. Cause yeah, we This did. is a, hey, just call in kind of episode. Frazier's at the studio a lot of the time here. So Mel Brooks. Yeah. One of them there. Like, Which he didn't sound. No the same he did not i thought it was someone else and i was like okay that's mel brooks in here yeah okay it wasn't his like you know classic mel brooks voice i agree it was not i would not have identified it had i not been looking at the notes for this episode right oh okay that's mel brooks there um rosemary clooney dominic dunn is that that's clooney of the clooney clooney's i wish i could tell you i did virtually no research we're gonna say it's his mom Okay, I don't think that's true, but maybe you can look it up. I'm I'm hamstrung here. I have no lookup <laughs> abilities anymore. My energy to look things up died long ago. Uh, ben Stiller, yeah. I know him. No research required there. I, I know can, who that is. And then, uh, yeah, he cries a lot in this episode. He's a crier. Oh, he was the crier guy. Of course oh, okay. he was the crier. He was wonderful at it. Uh, and then Eric Stoltz. Yes. 
What do you, what do you know about Stoltzy? Stoltz played Marty McFly before they hired uh, Michael J. He did? Yeah, and then they cut out all his st- scenes. I'm not sure what happened. The, oh, well, he was not good. He was um, just bad. So <laughs> just they a wanted, bad actor. Well, they wanted Michael J. Fox originally, and they reached out to, I believe it was the executive producer of Family Ties, and they're like, no, we can't do it because of... He's too busy. And there's... He's too busy, and I think somebody else was off the show for a period of time sure. or something like that. I forget exactly what the circumstances was uh, or circumstances were, but I think production so had to get underway. They went forward with Eric Stoltz. They filmed scenes of it for three to six weeks, yeah, I'm pretty sure. a while. And then by the time... They finally went up and they said, hey, I think we need another actor here. This is not working because from all accounts, Stoltz thought it was a drama, like a very intense emotional piece. <laughs> and there, and when you read it, and, and uh, uh, so you hear different accounts, like he was very, not necessarily method, but he was very into the character. So once he was on set, he would like to be- Was Marty McFly. He was Marty McFly. And I think he really- was trying to feel the implications of what it would be like to go through this uh, experience as Marty McFly, <laughs> which would be jarring, like, <laughs> like on a logical level. And it so, sounds so funny like, though. Like, it, it, that's the thing. And so, I think when they're reviewing it back, they're like, "Why is this just not working?" He's like, trying to win is, an Oscar for best drama, <laughs> right? And some of the people, like Tom, I, I think it's Tom Wilson who played Biff or yes. whatever. Um, they're super nice guys, and they're like, "Look, Eric Stoltz was a, a fine man, but working with him was tough because he almost treated you like you weren't an actor." Where like the scenes where Marty and Biff had to like kind of go at it a little bit and fight and stuff like that. Stoltz would really give it to him and you're like, Hey, we are in rehearsals, buddy. Like, <laughs> you know, if you just like push me a little bit, I, I know how to like absorb it and move back. Like I, I know how to like, make it let look me, correct. Let me be on in screen. control of that. <laughs> that that's right. Yeah. Like, do not just push me with all your might basically just to get it on screen here mm. or whatever in rehearsals. Like we got this. Um, so I think he just took it the wrong way. Man. And then then other people got recast after that. So did you know, so the original Jennifer opposite Eric Stoltz was Melora Hardin, who's Jan in the office. Oh no, I didn't know that. Unfortunately, she was just a little too tall for Michael J. Fox when he got in there. So you can't have an extremely tall Jennifer next to Marty McFly. So since the actors did not match up in height, Hey, we got to go recast uh, Melora Hardin here wow. with I forget who. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher who played the original Jennifer there, but she got switched out during the series. So. Wow, they had a lot of a lot of drama on that set because the they did. Um, the the guy that plays Marty's dad, young Marty's dad, yeah, Crispin Glover, yeah, Crispin Glover, mm-hmm. wasn't he kind of a handful on set as well? He was a handful on set, um, but his performance was just so so amazing, so amazing <laughs> yeah. that. Eventually, they're like, well, it was really interesting. Like, <laughs> no, we did not expect that character to be played that way. And it did work on screen. But yes, I believe he was a handful. And then he made most of his money from suing uh, for Back to the Future 2. Really? Yeah. So he. So this is also Sideshow Back to the Future here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, clearly, I have... Stay engaged, listener. Yeah, stay, stay engaged. engaged. <laughs> I swear, Frazier's coming. It's <laughs> Um, 
Goodness gracious. We're only an hour into this. We're going to be fine. I can see the time up there. It's just an hour. We're all good. Uh, So no, before the, the second one, he demanded as much as Michael J. Fox and other principal actors Uh because he felt he contributed just as as much much, to the first film. And so his agent was like, no, we want the same payouts. And they're like, well, no, No. Crispin was kind of an a-hole on set or, or just difficult to work with. Sure. And no, we don't need that character that much in this particular piece. So <laughs> kind of during the negotiations, it is posited or posited that they wrote in the, all right, fine, we'll bring him back. Put him upside down, in a, <laughs> you know, because you just see him yeah. in that one scene. Where oh, he's no, having, you're back again. Yeah. Uh, and then other people have said that, no, that was due to a study where somebody on the set had said it's harder to identify faces if you see them upside down. So okay. what they did was they used the mold that they had made from the first one because they made face molds for these people. Because they were going in and out between young and old. Uh And I guess they just make face molds for people for some reason on set. I guess they did. Okay. So they used his mold on another actor's body. And so then Crispin Glover and his legal team launched a campaign against illegal likeness rights usage, (laughs) which they won. Because they were like, no, you... You know, Back to the Future is like, well, no, we own the character, George McFly. And he's like, yes. But you don't own my face. But you don't own my face and my likeness. And that's what you explicitly used or attempted to use here to convey the same character was performed by me when it really wasn't. So, wow. I think he made the bulk of uh, his net worth and wealth in the world uh, on that suit because he made out pretty well. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but wow. I think it was like two million bucks or something. Yeah, that's not bad. No. Um, and then he takes art film. Like, he's an actor who was not looking for success. He hated the ending of the first one, notoriously. He was like, so the lesson here is that I got rich at the end? Like, Marty came back and life was good because we had money now? Like, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, our life turned out a little bit better, but we all wear suits now and the dude goes to a job and crap like that. And like, all right. I mean, I'm glad the guy was an author. That seems legit. Sure. The rest of it, you know, all right. Seems materialistic. Biff washes his car now. Yeah. Anyway, so Frazier, (laughs) Eric Stoltz. Sorry, that derailed us there quite a bit. I'm sorry. Old, uh, old Stoltzy will get me. Uh, (laughs) I can't help it, man. I like that movie. I watched it a bunch. So, first scene in this one, we start at KACL. Frazier's already on the air and signing off, mentioning his holiday plans about Freddy. And we see the company holly, holiday party going on outside. Uh, during but, during Frazier's show. That's common. <laughs> is it? I, I'd imagine so. So, the company's Christmas party is going to happen, you know, the office version of yeah, it. Yeah, probably yeah. midday and through the afternoon. We know Frazier's on on the afternoon. They're not going to roll best of out, so... I'd imagine they were in the break room and it just spills over into the hallways and it's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, Frazier signs off though. Bulldog walks in and immediately tries pawning off this noon to four slot. Didn't seem as long, um, but four hours is a long slot solo for sure. Yep. To take just calls. Just callers. Yeah. So later on in the episode it feels later at night but maybe that's just the way it is i think it's just because barbara asked me that she was like is it nighttime and i was like i don't think so i think it's the daytime it's just the lights were off right that just the studio lighting in that area which is fine we have the lights off in here it's delightful it's very dark Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Frazier immediately says, no, Bulldog can't do it because my kid's coming in town. Old Freddy. Mm. Um, you ever worked on Christmas Day? Probably. What I mean, I know retail has to a lot. In corporate world, we don't have to a bunch anymore. Uh, I worked, I'm trying to think. Like, I worked at this stupid coffee shop that was open on Christmas Day. There you go. Uh, and yeah. You, you get time and a half? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like required by law. I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, you got, I got time and a half. Uh, get some good tips. I tip well on Christmas Day at the coffee shop. That job was not a great. That was not a great place to be employed. <laughs> well, let's keep it light here. Um, certainly, you did a lot of you snorted coffee or something, right? Did you yep. mess around, have some fun. Straight coffee beans. That was a perk. You could drink all the coffee <laughs> you could get and snort all the beans you wanted. No pun intended. That was a perk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the... I'm sure that was in every training deck they had. Let us tell you about our perks. Our perks <laughs> of working at the coffee shop. <laughs> mm. Dumb coffee places. Yeah, I think that was... that. I, I'm pretty sure I had to work on Christmas once there. Huh. Uh, yeah. The skating rink? The ice rink? I don't think we worked there through Christmas. We worked oh. there in the summer, and they just kept talking about how they make all their money at Christmas. And I was like, "Well, I'm in my ass." And they kept saying, the, the, "Remember the the manager, or the owner lady was like, you want to make more money? You go work at Whataburger.'" And it's like, "Well, that doesn't bode well for how you how you are paying your employees, does it?" It is odd when they're like, "You got to love it to be a blacksmith sharpening yeah, skates down you, here." You got to like, love what? it to get paid. Bare bones, nothing, and be treated like you are, you know, just a servant of the of the people that work that own the place. It it's a weird gig in the mall. Any retail gig is always weird yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I have not had anyone else make the comment. If you want to make more, go work at Whataburger. Go work as at an a employer. fast food place. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe I will. Then. It was an odd punishment. <laughs> just like, We're not even as good as a Whataburger. <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, I'm aware. <laughs> it's like, I know you guys don't make near as much money. You're open fewer hours. You like, own no ice skating rink what do you expect everybody eats only so many people eat ice you know <laughs> it's hard you know ice doesn't fill you up that much you know so i get it it's tricky out there um we get chopper dave in this one he walks into the studio and uh <laughs> this is a weird bit where they they start planting the seed about bonnie weems yep and they're like hey somebody always has to drive this lady home and at first, you do. I mean, were you hip to the gag right away? Did you kind of know what was going on yeah. the first time you watched this? You're like, I oh, think so. she's the office. Get around. Yeah, basically. she's the office mattress. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, you could kind of tell just from the energy and from how, because like, what else is it going to be? I guess. I th- do you think they would do that with Meredith uh, on the office? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that the kind of like character like rookie has to take Meredith home and deal with her advances? Yes. That's kind of who I eventually connected it to. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Because otherwise, I'm like, what is the deal? Like, there's got to be other single radio dudes who are like, yeah, I'll give it a go. She's all right on I feel Christmas. like Bonnie Weems was a much better choice than Meredith. No, exactly. <laughs> well, yes. When we get the Weems reveal, I was like, <laughs> I was like, why are there no other single dude? Like, like okay. I'm, yeah, like- <laughs> I'm sure Bulldog. Like, is it just drama afterwards? I'm like... No what, is, yeah, what is draw what does bulldog care <laughs> yeah, that's kind of aggressive maybe they just don't like that that's about the only thing to it i was like okay um <laughs> like, all right nothing weird there <laughs> yeah they say uh frazier mentions that bonnie weems does the auto show and uh you know 
they let her know that uh, she drinks more than she should at the party. And so the office rookie has to drive her home every year. So you're like, okay. I thought maybe she was this old lady that we see next, this little Elizabeth lady. <laughs> yeah, the lady who walks that walks up. up. Who is Elizabeth? I, I I didn't catch it. He said something for sweets. Was she just like a secretary? Probably, yeah. I was probably an assistant or a secretary. Or, I, or like, I don't yeah. remember her as a show host. There's got to be people that work there in the building Correct. that are, you know, accountants and stuff that absolutely know, for the radio station. So I thought initially I was like, oh, this is Bonnie Weems. Uh, she must just get plastered at the Christmas party and <laughs> just, she just has to be driven home. She'll slip and fall if you can't. And I'm like, okay. But no, then she burns Frazier, basically. <laughs> She's like, oh, hey. Uh. I can't remember even how she sets it up. Does she ask him if she he's driving her she home? She says something about Bonnie Weems and somebody having to take her home. And he was like, oh, it's me. And then she's like, oh, it's the doc. It's the doc. And just, uh, everyone erupts into hysterics. And I was like, all right. So this lady's the hit of the party, this old Elizabeth lady. I was like... I was like, what a weird character that woman was. Like, I bet we those get- cookies were good. Yeah, I just want more Elizabeth. I hope she comes <laughs> back. I'm like, she had the the crowd going. <laughs> she did. Um, eventually, Roz lets Frazier know that uh, Bonnie Weems gets a little amorous mm. after a couple drinks and won't take no for an answer. This sounds like assault to me. It does. Like workplace assault that everyone's more than willing to participate in. If the shoe were on the opposite foot and they're like, hey, who's going to drive Frazier home? He won't take no for an answer. <laughs> he gets a little drunk after a, a little handsy. <laughs> like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is still workplace assault here. Yeah, it's a bit of a double standard. Yeah. yeah I was like, oh, man. I was like, because I do try to do that not on every situation, but this one, I was like, okay. Because <laughs> I, like, I, I just I hadn't seen this one in a while, so the gag was lost on me. I thought it was the little old lady, and then I'm like, oh, okay. They're just letting people know that Frazier's going to have to hook up with this lady tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Harvey Weinstein style, or what is it? I was like, what's the deal? Like, is this the and only she way? does this every year, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was like, does is this the only way he advances, or is she lower? Because, but no, she's a another show she's host. A show host. Yeah, so like, okay, she's just uh, talent, just like Frazier. I'm like, I don't think Frazier can go around doing that, but maybe he can. I guess the implication is that since she does the auto show, maybe she's kind of tomboyish and like she's you know that, that's where her maybe her aggression comes from i don't know well any, anything goes in the auto world i don't know about <laughs> i'll tell you that having worked in automotive <laughs> lord knows what the hell's going on there half the time um then we get to a, a weird gift exchange here uh so during this scene fraser was wrapping a gift for Roz. did he reveal what the gift was to mm-hmm. bulldog yeah, it's a bulldog he said okay and it, it, squ- it squirts water Okay. That's what he said, too. So I must have missed that gag when I was taking notes. I was like, what is the gift? I think I remember mentioning something. Yeah, because Bulldog reads the, he sees the packaging and he reads the name of it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, toy microphone that squirts water or whatever. It's a good gift. Yeah. I mean, I would like that gift. Well, and I think Frazier was in the right because they, they not the right, but like they, they agreed no gifts. So to get something dinky that's just a gag is like, okay. You know what I mean? Like Roz just ignored it. <laughs> She just ignored the no gift, which goes to show that they're becoming good friends, obviously, but maybe it, or maybe she's trying to move up this ladder and she's trying to kiss a little ass and Fraser's like, I don't care. And he just treats people like garbage <laughs> that are below him. I did think of Scrooge on this one with Bill Murray where yeah. he's like, 
what do you want to get your brother? It's like, give him the towels and not the VCR <laughs> or whatever. Like, he gives people whose ass he's trying to kiss the VCR. So, like, the VPs above him or something, like, VCR. You send him a VCR, send him something fancy. And sure. they're like, your brother, towels. towels. You know, <laughs> or something. Doesn't need like, to impress him. I don't need to impress that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I was like, is that the angle they're going for here? But you're right. They said no gifts. Frazier went low. I would have liked the gift. Um, but yeah, Roz does give him a, a pretty nice looking briefcase. Yeah. It's also weird. I don't know that. Does Fraser carry a briefcase? Do we see him with a briefcase sure, often? I think so. Do we? Yeah. All right. Fraser's I mean, a briefcase guy. Niles is definitely a briefcase guy. So that's what's tricky. When I see somebody with something, I don't know if I can buy something on their level mm. or their standards. Yeah. Like my wife does wear a lot of like cool cowboy hats. I'm like, man, I can go look at what they've got now and try to approximate what I think they would dig, but I don't know that I'll get it right here. So I'm just going to try my best and we'll see how it goes. You know, this is a man's hat. That thing is like, I can get the sizing, I can get the branding, stuff like that. So I'm sure that's where Ross started (laughs) here. She's like, all right, I know what brand of briefcase he buys. I've never seen him with this color. So maybe I'll try it out. Sure. You know, like go by the sales guy's opinion or whatever. Right. That's what's always tricky about buying for people that are above you. I'm like, "Ah," or not above you, but just that have a taste that's differently aligned than yours. You're like, man, I hope I get this right because this is such a peculiar, particular. What kind of a mower would you buy me if you're buying me a mower? Oh, um, that's a good question. The snapper from Forrest Gump. Is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a real mower. Yeah, that's what I would get you. It's a real mower. Wrong type of mower, buddy. It's not a snapper. What is it? No, that's right. That the that that's a rotary mower. I don't I don't use rotary mowers. Why not? Because they don't cut as well, bud. Okay. It's real or nothing, my guy. No, 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 no. I don't care if they cut as well. Forrest Gump. Let's go back to Back to the Future here. All right. So <laughs> Robert Zemeckis, <laughs> you know. All right. He created Back to the Future along with Bob Gale and Steven Spielberg, <laughs> who is the I'm pretty sure executive producer EP, on yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Years later, <laughs> Bobby Zemeckis <laughs> said, "You know what? You know what this film needs? Forrest Gump on a lawn on a mower." <laughs> and he didn't say, "You know what." You just need to make sure it cuts right. You know, it cuts a little bit better. <laughs> He's got to get so a no, real mower. You're going to ask me what I would get you, and then you're immediately going to turn into all those things I hate where people <laughs> are like, ah, you got me this damn rotary mower. I don't even I don't even use a rotary mower. It doesn't How cut as well. <laughs> Case in point, you've proven my point. My right? height of cut is going to be ruined now. <laughs> I can't use this. So now it just sits in your garage. <laughs> and that's what I worry about with Roz in this briefcase. I'm like, Frazier's going to be like, oh, dang, she spent a lot on this and it should align. But I'm not. Uh, she may never see me carry this or something <laughs> like that. So mm. I felt bad. Yeah. And I mean, she probably dropped some money on that thing. It's a nice leather briefcase. That's what was implied. Yeah. Like, hey, Frazier knew immediately. Oh, this is a nice gift. I did not get Mine a nice cost $9. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is nice and seemingly thoughtful. Mine was none of those things. Mm, mm. She's in radio, though. They said she really shouldn't have. So He's right. She really shouldn't have. Uh, so then, next scene, we get to Frasier's apartment. This is one of my funnier, or one of my more favorite uh, scene entrances. Uh, we get Niles taking a sip of eggnog, sets it on Marty's side table, 
turns away and then to look it, at his shoe. Yeah, okay, look at his shoe. There you go. Does he tie his shoe or what is he? He's there a spot on it. I look think he's like looking spot. at his the spot on his shoe. Okay. <laughs> and we the audience gets to see yeah. that Eddie just full tongue all over <laughs> this thing. And I don't think there's a camera cut. Was there a camera cut uh-uh. in between? Yeah, that's the thing. Without any camera cut, Niles or Hyde Pierce just reaches over and grabs this glass and takes a big swig out of it. So they stopped. You could tell that he was about to like do a little a little improv bit where he like pulls a little piece of fur out of his mouth okay. or something. But like Frazier walked in right before that, gotcha. so he didn't do it. But you could tell. I feel like he was reaching to do that. Gotcha. Which would have been great. Well, that would have been great. I said, I wish they would have followed through on that. That sounds like a, a funny little gag there. Kind of like wonder, like what was that? You yeah, know? exactly. So he caught something, but he didn't know. Was this the <laughs> nog or what was it? Um, but. I didn't think Niles would be an eggnog guy. No, no, nor would I. I love eggnog. I love, I wish eggnog was not seasonal because they only sell it in grocery stores seasonally. Man, I don't think I've had eggnog oh, in 30 years. I probably. love eggnog. I don't know. Something about, something, I mean, I like to, I drink milk too. <laughs> You're breathing heavily. Are you okay? <laughs> it's so good. Are you all right? I'm great. It's so good. I don't, and I drink, I don't drink it with alcohol in it. I just, I just enjoy the taste of eggnog and the texture. It's just, the texture. it's delicious. I think that's what creeped me out years ago. And so I think I was Why probably is it so seven thick. Or, yeah. I was like, I think I was seven or eight and I was like, this is what people get all hot about <laughs> eggnog. Are there really eggs in this? Yeah, that too. I was like, this seems <laughs> gross to me. No, thank you, yeah, sir. So good. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, but that eggnog's important. Niles will carry that through with him through this uh, scene here. I'll drink it poolside. Oh, gross. I mean, if you like it, uh, over ice or warm? Not warm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I didn't know. Poolside stuff gets warm. Well, I mean, it could get. It wouldn't be there long enough. I'd chug it down. Okay, gotcha. Makes sense now. I, I think it's like I milky stop. beverages. It's tough to drink in warm climates. Is it like I can do it, but it's just trickier. I still order milk at a restaurant, like an okay. eight-year-old. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I can't believe that poor Poncho's staff has to deal with that. <laughs> All right, so then we see that Niles. Uh, the kind of reveal here after Fraser walks in is we see that. And I'm going to start by saying this is one of the creepier schemes I've seen. We see that Niles has brought over a series of mini dresses yep. and small dresses for Daphne to try on under the guise of them being gifts for Maris. I don't think he's buying anything for Maris based on what I know about Niles so far. What do you think he took them back or something or just? Yes. I mean, or well, I don't know what he did. No, I don't know what he did with the dresses. I don't want to know, but I don't think they were gifts for Maris in any real world. He went. He, that's a, if you look at the backstory behind just this one gag, you're like, he picked out the dresses he wanted to see this woman in. He found the sizing that seemingly was one size too small or as small as it could be uh, so, to fit on her because she later revealed she had to take her underwear off to or <laughs> her undies, as she says. To get the zipper up. To get the zipper up. Uh-huh. <laughs> And he got them in multiple colors, red and black. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine multiple, I mean, maybe not multiple styles. It might have been the same dress in right. two different colors. Um, then he took them out. He, If he has to go return them to hide the evidence of the purchase he made, that's an even creepier extrapolation <laughs> of this. If he just ditches them in a dumpster, also pretty creepy. If he gifts them to a place, okay. 
I'll take the like donation aspect yeah. of it. Like I can feel good about that. Maybe he donated them to a high end second hand store or something like that. Like but, a Plato's closet. Yeah, but I don't in any realm, and nor did Fraser think that these dresses were going to Maris. Oh, Niles. <laughs> You're right, because this one this one there's no getting around it. This one is just a ploy that yeah. he that he has crafted in order to just oogle. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. But this was not just like, oh, I came over and Daphne was there and oh she was really winning me over with her affection. This is this is a ruse, plain and simple. Do you think he at the back of his mind he was like, maybe she'll ask me to to <laughs> watch her well, yeah, I think there's a lot of things in the back of his mind clearly I think he was hoping for a lot of things I think, I think he would have broken uh, plenty of vows in the moment there no problem at all he would he would do anything oh, nice. uh, so yeah Fraser comes in he does quickly indicate because we didn't mention that Bonnie Weems carries him out of the studio at the Christmas party <laughs> which is ridiculous like I mean that's absurd it you know absurd. again also assault. If a ma- if Fraser had carried a woman out over his shoulder, caveman style, like it's not a funny thing. <laughs> it's a TV show, so it's fine. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, but Fraser quickly mentions that uh, he sent Bonnie Weems into a cab. It seems like the logical thing that should have been done every year prior. To Absolutely. This. Or have a woman drive her home, basically, or someone that would not take her advances and ha- would e- easily say no take no then they wouldn't have been able to laugh about it i understand <laughs> <laughs> it's like a running joke Poor bonnie weems how long has she been doing that by the way like i don't seems, know because it seems like everybody was looking forward to that you know that's yeah. like a big part of the christmas it's party a it's a tradition <laughs> it's like and it's always the rookie like because after you go through it, you don't want to go through it again. Like that that's what I'm also confused about. Like there must be drama or it must just be so just intense. Rough, yeah. yeah. You know, some what how is Bulldog not into that? I'm sorry to circle back, but I'm like, Bulldog, this seems like tailor made for Bulldog. Like, I don't know what the deal is. You'd here. think he'd be lining up every year. Yes. I'll do it. No, a hundred percent he would be lining <laughs> up every year. I I feel like it. Um so uh, Bulldog called the apartment. Martin mentions this. Hey, Bulldog keeps calling. Uh, says, you know, he really wants you to take that Christmas shift. And Frazier's like, I already told that dude. No, I don't want to take the Christmas slot. Can't do it. Freddy's coming in. Right. Um, Martin is hanging up some Christmas decorations. Hangs up a plastic wreath mm-hmm. on the front door. That he has had since 1967. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Frazier is mortified by the plastic nature of it. <laughs> which I can see. Knowing what we know about the building, I'm amazed they were allowed to hang anything out. Uh, On their doors? Yeah. We don't know that yet, but I know the building management at a certain point would not allow stuff or doormats or specific door decorations that do not align with the building's theme or their code of conduct or whatever. Good (laughs) God. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't have a homeowner's association, and I don't live in a fancy building that has to approve my membership there or whatever. Uh, so Daphne re-enters. This is where we get um, a very dumb physical gag, uh, but a very, very funny one. So Daphne comes in. She's got both dresses in hand, hands the dresses to Niles. Niles is still sipping his eggnog at this time, or still holding his glass of eggnog. She mentions the line we mentioned earlier, that 
hey, one of these was so tight, this black one, I had to take my undies off to get the get the zipper up here. And immediately upon hearing this information, Niles drops his eggnog glass. He can't even, <laughs> his muscles cease Just to work. <laughs> <laughs> He's in shock, the fact that she was naked in these dresses. Right. They're like, okay, um, glass breaks everywhere. Did you notice the next thing that happened? No. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. The guy who dropped it, Frazier and Martin just sat there while Daphne immediately had to now go start cleaning, cleaning up, up glass. The glass. <laughs> that all she did, she's been subjected to this ruse by Niles, had to go take her underwear off and play model for him for a little bit. Then, she, <laughs> then Niles <laughs> drops the glass and Daphne is in cleanup mode and they do absolutely nothing. Yeah, so Daphne is, she evolves into this, you know, therapists or physical therapist slash maid character for the long duration of the show until she marries Niles, I believe. So that that's weird, I think. I mean, not weird, but it's just like, well, okay. I mean, I wonder how that, that came about. And did she feel obligated to cook and clean and do the laundry and all the things that like a maid would do? That's what was weird. So typically, anytime you break a glass in any setting, you clean it up. You clean it up, sure. especially in your own home. Yep. Like even at a restaurant. Like if I dropped a glass here I, I, at your like, house, hey, man, where's a broom? I, I'd be like, dude, I'll, exactly. Like, hey, I'll sweep this stuff up. For exactly. You or whatever. Like, hey, like, go get a go get a brown paper bag. Like, let's get the glass cleaned up. Let's get the big stuff. Where's your vacuum? Up. Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's make sure there's no glass around. Um, so. Again, I know it's a TV show, but I was like, good God, this episode, <laughs> you know, like these guys are doing nothing for this poor woman and just <laughs> treating her like garbage here. Um, but phone rings, Martin answers it and uh, he says, hey, it's the nag. Mm-hmm. And again, he had already set up that Bulldog had been nagging Frazier about this stuff. So this was kind of a cruel joke Martin plays on Frazier <laughs> here. But so Martin kind of implies that it's Bulldog. But in fact, it's it's Lilith who's on the phone, and uh, Frazier excuses himself after taking the call briefly. He's like, "You know, I need to go to the other room for this." Um, and li- Martin leaves the phone unhooked. I always forget that that was a thing we could do in the nineties, uh-huh. where like you could pick up the phone and listen to somebody else's convo. Yeah. So the phone is just left off the hook there. You eventually hear some screaming there. That's probably that kind of wild to people, you know, that were born, you know, 15, 20 years ago, or even, you know, kids today, like our kids. The fact that you had a phone line in your house, of which there was multiple phones connected to the same line. And you could tell when somebody picked up. Oh, easily. But if somebody else had answered initially, and then you went and took it in the other room, I could certainly see how you could easily forget that, oh, crap, that's right, I let the phone off the hook. Right. you couldn't hang it back up in between that transfer period. Right. There were no portable phones. I mean, in this episode, at least, I didn't see a portable phone, and this one didn't appear to be the one that Martin answered. That one's still at a core. Right. But that was a big thing about it. You're like, crap, I want to take this in the other room. I can't hang up this one. So once you get attached to that other cord back in your bedroom... You either have to then go run back, back out. Yeah, hang on one second. Let me go hang up the other phone. Oh, hang on one second. Or if there's somebody back. out there, if you remember from when you were a kid, you'd be like, okay, hang up now. Hang, hang it up. Hang up the phone. And then you could tell because it would make a click. Uh, yeah. You could tell if it was hung up or not. I well, said hang it up. 
Stop, Alyssa. I can hear you breathing. I can hear you breathing. That was a common thing we had to say back in. What a weird, creepy thing to say. I can hear, I can you, hear you breathing. breathing. <laughs> so creepy having <laughs> brothers and sisters <laughs> and parents. So you're like covering up the mouthpiece. Or you flip it up. Remember oh, yeah, that? You, you flip, flip it up, flip do, it up. The, do the up flip. Mm-hmm. They can't hear you breathing anymore. Wow, what a what a time to be What a time to be alive. To girls on I the saw phone. A, an old advertisement for this, and it was a real infomercial for this like accessory for your phone that was like hands-free, and you could like attach this thing to your phone that would just like hold it on your head. I need a phone hat. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. I forget what they called it, but it had a clever name. Like one of those beer can hats, but it just holds my phone yeah. in one ear there, basically, and then just extends just a little bit like those batting helmets that protect your jaw yeah that's all i need really is just a with a jaw phone protector helmet that has a phone right here and then a big old tall boy up over here <laughs> like a, one of them lone star tall boys with a straw or you just you just use it as a cup holder i'm just gonna use it uh you know i think both um straw i think, I think i'm gonna have a straw that comes through here but it should also be easily detachable in case i need to chug mm. Because I do chug. I know. I've seen you. You do the uh, Edward Forty hands. I do it upside down. It's amazing. It's it's tif- it's difficult to do. You got to practice chugging upside down. But once you get it, oh, man. People think that that thing is for your back. That's actually for your beers. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a lot of beer accessories. Um, I wear a koozie around my body. Okay. My whole body is koozied right now underneath my clothes. You can't see it, but it keeps me cold. Huh. Mm-hmm. interesting it maintains my body temperature at an ice cold 39 degrees so the mountains on my chest turn blue when i get cold <laughs> it's an under armor product yeah, i got a tattoo years ago <laughs> it's a coors <laughs> tattoo right here and they're like, hey, the rocky <laughs> mountains get cold <laughs> turn blue. Yeah, once you're chilled to the right temp mm-hmm. man that's why i keep the koozie on it's wild it is wild it's hard to do but once you get it up and running Smooth sailing, worth buddy. It. Worth it. It is worth it. Wow. Uh, so, Fraser then re-enters. He's very upset. Frederick will not be coming to Christmas this year. <sighs> he has the opportunity to go to Austria, visit the house where The Sound of Music was filmed. I think Julie Andrews will even be there for a brief period. <laughs> and he gets to go to Euro Disneyland on his way back from the trip. And so eventually everyone agrees that, God dang it, yeah, you got to let Freddy go on this trip sure. or whatever. And so they're like, hey, you're doing the right thing as an old man. Because I guess he could have put his foot down is what they're implying. He you think, was Lilith doing this out of like spite or it just happened to align with that time? And she I, just, I think it aligned with that time. If your coworker does have this particular opportunity and they're like, hey, we've got a house in Austria. We're going to go do this Christmas thing. Julie Andrews is going to be there, and then we're taking our kids to go to Euro Disney. If your kids are at a particular age, you're like, let me call their husband, sure, yeah, or let me call my ex husband. Well, that was like his favorite. That was his favorite movie. Was yeah, the Sound of Music? It, exactly. Right? It did seem like this particular scenario. I was like, yeah, that does suck for Frazier, but your kid is only young once. Yeah. So just burn the cash, do the thing. You know, he'll miss a Christmas with his old man, but. You can only travel to Euro Disney and Austria and do this Christmassy stuff at that age for sure. so long. So just suck it up, Buttercup Frazier. You get another year later. And imagine how that would have impact their relationship if he was like, no, you have to come to this dusty old cabin with us. That is the other thing. I think Niles does mention that 
oh, there's nice stuff at the cabin. There's a stump that the kids like to kick. <laughs> Something like that. See, it didn't seem like there was a lot of uh, tourist attractions or activities planned for Freddy. This was more going to be a getting away. Definitely not a celebrity in a theme park as well. No, and uh, they were going to watch Sound of Music, maybe. I think that was on Frasier's plan, but not meet the cast member or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, so. And go to the place it was filmed. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough on Frasier there. <laughs> Uh, then we get to some more decorating. Um, Frazier bought some chili pepper lights to hang up on mm-hmm. the tree. How'd you feel about that? I feel like the roles were reversed. I feel like F- Martin would have been the one that would have chosen the chili pepper lights. Like, I like them. They're chili peppers. You know, it's like, it, that seems like a Martin thing. And then, and then Frazier. I, I think we are right at a period here in 93. where like a Southwestern high end fashion kind of style may have been spreading around from like art or decor or something like that so i bet fraser saw it in like an architectural magazine or like kitschy oh this is the thing that we're doing right now but i agree i think now or 1984 martin's going off the same impulse that you just mentioned like i like them they're chili peppers you know (laughs) and so it i agree it was weird because you're like Frazier in any other year, I don't think you would have thought these were the way to go. No. But I think he did mention like these are hot right now or something like that. My, they probably were. My grandma had a chili pepper tree. I guess chili peppers are always hot. Mm-hmm. She had Anthony Kiedis and Flea on there. Oh, yeah. Chad Smith. Chad Smith was on there. She loved Chad Smith. She did. Especially she when Chad they Smith. wore those socks. Yep, she did. She loved his drumming. <laughs> it was the drumming, but it was also, um, I think, just the passion he brought and the the fact that he didn't have to leave the band for heroin addiction like for Shanti for <laughs> years at a time. Um, so I think that's why she liked Chad Smith a lot. She's like, you know, he held held the beats down. I appreciate that. He looks like Will Ferrell and he didn't leave the band for heroin usage. No no shame on, on no shade on, on for Shanti. No, he's, he's far better than anyone incredible. else they had in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first guy, Hallel or whatever, that guy died from heroin. So that's what was That guy about. was also really good. I know. That's what you're like, for Shanti, no. Like, <laughs> You know where this ends, please, for the love of God, don't do this. But <laughs> addiction is tough. So yeah, no, no, no shade put towards him at all. I just think that's why your sweet grandmother identified more with Chad Smith than yes. any of the others. He's a nice boy. Flea, I think she was scared of because of uh the end of Back to the Future too. Yep. Um and And the Big Lebowski. And the Big Lebowski. And Needles was a great role. Let's talk about Needles. Oh, a little let's bit more let's go back jits. to the Back to the Future. Let's do it, baby. This is a podcast within a podcast. Back to Back to the Future. That's it. So Needles somehow coaxed Marty into this weird like scheme in Back to the Future too that I still don't understand to this day. It was like this weird digital like embezzlement <laughs> thing that like they agreed to on video phone. The the jits was monitoring. Real time? Real time. Like, this seemed like it was 8 o'clock at night. Not even real time. He was on the phone. Yeah, he was on the phone (laughs) in his suit. (laughs) And, like, everything about this, I was like, man, what an incredible display of the future where we have fax machines. Your boss is openly just, like, listening to you and, like, I'll tell you, from HR meetings, I'm not even allowed to record meetings anymore without (laughs) telling people, like, reminder, you are being recorded on this Zoom meeting. And, like, that's fine. Most of the time I'm doing it because I can't remember what the hell happened on these <laughs> meetings. And I'm like, dang it. I, if you don't remember, just go watch the Zoom again because I sure as hell don't remember what happened on there. I was like, I'm not trying to frame you or put you into anything. I have a bad memory. Um, but 
what a world where like your boss can be secretly watching all of those things and you don't even know he's in the background yeah and your coworker. that's what i never understood was needles set up with the jits to make this deal like to to get to get marty to entrap marty that's what it felt like right what are their bosses doing? They're like, we're on to Marty. We think he might go for some shady stuff, just like his kid's about to do. <laughs> and why didn't Doc stop this? This seemed like it would easily ruin his entire family, too. But the thing, like, Marty didn't even know that his kid was involved in an incident earlier because it didn't happen earlier. Right. Like, the incident was averted. So no matter what, Marty on that night was going to go flush his career down the drain and... Lord knows, like, is he going to go to jail for this? He was entrapped by his employer, and Marty clearly has morals and ethics of a garbage human at this point, too. But <laughs> God, needles, what a role! I love that in the envision of you know when they envisioned the future that they were like, oh, fax machines, fax machines are going to be hot because you wouldn't know any different in in eighty seven or whenever it was a movie made eighty nine something like that. That had to be big printer and big ink companies that were like hey guys i know you went video calls on the rest of this stuff can you just like work in some fax machines like brother will give you a million (laughs) dollars if you can work this in here Uh, because that's the only thing i can think of like yeah you needed paper but if they knew you were going to have video calls certainly they would have foreseen that some kind of telecommunication could occur without paper right. as well. But I can't, the you're fired that goes into every room <laughs> of the house on the Back to the Future, too. Like, how Marty, did, what's this? It was like the 80s intercom that went around your entire house oh. but with fax machines. You know, um, <clears throat> do you have an intercom? Uh, no, not in, no, no, no. My house is a new build, but the, no, no, no. In the eighties and nineties, I yeah, absolutely did. Intercom. There was a house that had an intercom system that was that worked, and then it broke. And my dad was like, either trying to fix it or he's trying to do something with it. it had it was cool. It had radios. You could talk to people. You had like actual oh, yeah. AM FM radios on. Uh-huh. There. They were great. Kids have no idea what we're talking about. But oh, it's incredible. kids are not listening <clears throat> to sideshow. That's true. This That's is a true. narrow focused podcast on chronically lonely people who also watched Frasier. So my dad had removed one that was in my bedroom at mm-hmm. the time. And I had an original gold cartridge NES copy of the legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. which now is worth quite a bit of money. If you still have it, I mean, of course in like pristine condition and all that stuff, which mine was not, but for some reason or another, I dropped that bad boy in that hole and it went all the way down to the baseboard yeah. and that house is still there. So unless they've done renovations and found it, there is a original gold copy NES cartridge of the legend of Zelda uh, in that, in the wall of that house, still. So you're telling me we've got an Ocean's Eleven style, just plot waiting yes. to happen yes. here. So all we need to do is put together ten other people, run a heist to be able to distract house. them. Yeah, That's to right. distract the owners and get that Zelda out there. Because if you go in and tell them, hey man, uh, behind your walls you might have a very valuable uh, piece of video game equipment, like. They'll just open the walls themselves and take it. They sure. own it at yes. this point. You have no ownership over that. Correct. So you're going to have to sneak your way in there, either through tunneling, distraction. Chimney. That's right. Uh, some kind of diversionary tactics. Yeah. Some kind. Of, uh, don't go down the chimney. Um, I've seen enough stories about that. That goes bad. I can That's tell you that. Probably true. Uh but yeah, we can get in there. We just have to cut a small hole. Do you remember exactly where it is? If I, the intercom I remember wasn't there, exactly where it is. All right, I said because the intercom or the intercom's probably long gone. 
So I'd imagine they did renovations at some point. It was a very small bedroom, so it's possible that they could have merged it with the with the with the you know primary bedroom and I don't know, but and they might be living off that Zelda by now, man. I know. I think about it. Million dollars. I think about no. I mean, but for real, like the I think what the is origi- Wizard Magazine rated as right now? <laughs> what do they value it as? Does Beckett have a rare a value. I, I, there are, there, this was not you know a, a rare copy, but there are rare copies that are worth quite a bit of money. I'm talking like hundreds of thousands. So I don't know. It might be worth it. It might be worth it. You're absolutely right. It I can't believe be I did that. I still that's still so it's so dumb. Like what in my stupid lizard six seven year old brain was like let's drop this down the hole and it'll be fine oh man my kids do all kinds of dumb stuff like that so i mean that's just the way kids think i'm like why on earth would you do that what did you expect to happen there when you when you took that uh, powder in your hands and exploded them together or whatever it sounded cool yeah so you're like well now there's powder everywhere <laughs> i'm like please don't do that with flour like do not just go get handfuls of flour and start clapping them together everywhere like, and if you do please do it outside <laughs> our couch now has flour all over it thank you for that now you're gonna learn how to use the accessories on the vacuum cleaner yeah good grief kiddos <laughs> um <laughs> So this all leads to Martin and Fraser just screaming about the chili peppers and uh, not again, not the band, but the lights. Mm. And that kind of, you know, Fraser says, no, never mind. I'm not going to the damn cabin with you. I'm just going to go ahead and do the Christmas show. So he takes the Christmas slot. He's going to be working. We get to KACL. Roz is furious because I guess he forgets that. She has to do it, too. (laughs) His producer has to do it? I'm like, no, she doesn't. He does not have to drag her ass in here on Christmas. She did not agree to this. Not if you're just doing calls and, like, he's got a board. He's got a board right in front of him where he can take calls and he can can cue commercials. She's clearly not screening anything. He, I mean, like, all he has to do is keep his live reads on track, know when he needs to go to commercial, know when he needs to come back. I can't believe that she actually agreed to that, to be honest with you. Yeah you're right i that's thing i was like why was she even so mad she didn't have to say yes to this i mean again it seems like she's trying to move up almost is what i would imply based on the gift and how but again she was pissed you wouldn't go in there so pissed at your boss about that or right. whatever so i don't know mm. um <laughs> yeah my first thought exactly like just get another board op get a temporary guy or do it yourself mm-hmm. uh this is where Roz lets fraser know only the most depressed people call in and she does mention quickly uh, thanks for dressing up for the show. So Frazier <laughs> is not dressed very well. This this does become important later on in the episode that he is dressed below his class. We see yeah. him. We see that Frazier sometimes. The we do casual Frazier from casual Frazier. It was the vinyl. Um, casual <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> damn chair. Casual Frazier. Jordan's over there just letting her rip. <laughs> no, he got, we got a new chair for the studios here. It's got some vinyl on it. Still working out the. I'm working out the the details the of this chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shifting is trickier here. Sitting too close to the wall over here. <laughs> Flying too close to the sun. <laughs> um, uh, so. Uh, typically he does wear like a suit though but you're right depressed Frazier definitely wears like sweatshirts and stuff yeah Uh, then we we start getting into the callers Um, Eric Stoltz calls in he tells a a story about how he really got into the Christmas spirit lately because he left a pair of uh, sneakers on top of his car after going to the gym and then he drove off accidentally leaving his sneakers on top 
But then he saw a homeless guy in the rearview mirror uh, grab the sneakers and put them on. And you know what? He decided instead of stopping <laughs> and going back and trying to get those shoes off that homeless guy, he decided he was just going to keep on driving. What a nice guy. <laughs> Frazier's not amused <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Frazier's like, this is what you called in to essentially like self-brag, or like just <laughs> brag about like not beating up a homeless guy or confronting a homeless guy over your gym shoes. Your old shoes. <laughs> so that was a fun character for Stoltz to play. I thought that, I thought that was a very funny call in there. Um, then we uh, get Ben Stiller crying. He's definitely the crying guy here. I think his uh, actor or the character name is Barry. Uh, we get Rosemary Clooney. She calls in as Gladys. She says she's fallen in the shower so many times that they can't put any more pins in her hip. Jesus. Frazier does cut back to Barry, who is still crying. That's <laughs> yeah. a funny little gag. It's like, let's see how Barry's doing. And then Stiller's over there just still wailing on the other line. Uh, we get Mel Brooks as Tom. Uh, it tells a horrifying story about how a puppy he got for Christmas didn't wake up on Christmas morning. That was shocking. Um, after they realized that Ross is in tears and everyone's just broken, I'd imagine this is by hour two of the show or like uh-huh. end of hour two. Fraser's like, all right, just go home. Like halfway through, sure. Yeah, it's like, for, you know, Roz, you seem miserable. You're crying. Just go home or whatever. Um, she leaves in tears. Uh, they go to commercial and we come back to KACL and this is where we do get the dark lighting in a very popular angle of the KACL studios. And by popular, I mean like among fans, like they don't use this angle and this type of camera move often at the beginning of this scene where we're behind Frazier from the broadcast position shooting from the hallway of KACL. And then they kind of swing around uh, to the side view of Frazier there and you kind of see into the studio, but it is a very unique angle that they don't use enough. And this is Jimmy Burroughs directing this episode and he's a, you know, we've talked about him before on sure. the podcast, but a very, very cool move. Um, and during that, you can, similar to Back to the Future open, how you see all the art on the wall that kind of reveals what's going on about, you know, Doc's house burning down and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, you do see all the other shows on the walls here. So it's a nice little reveal of uh, some of the other posters. Like all the programming that they do there. That's sure. right. So it's uh. a good little, uh, good little camera move there. Hmm. Uh, Jeff calls in with some pep in his voice. Uh, dude says he used to get depressed, but now he just pops in his favorite movie, The Sound of Music. And. <laughs> There's no any. There's no way anyone could be depressed watching the sound of music. <laughs> Again, a nice little just callback dig at Frazier there. Uh, so then we get to uh, Lou's diner. Frazier finally signs off. His shift is done. Like we mentioned, it seems like it's late at night. Maybe it's not. It's just probably dark by five thirty. Right in in Seattle. I mean, Christmas time. It's dark early everywhere. You know, daylight savings time. So show ends at four. He bums around for a second, and then goes to his diner. Yeah, I would imagine so. <clears throat> and I mean, I guess that seems late for Christmas either way. I mean, five p.m. Maybe people are lighting it up. I don't go out to bars on Christmas night anymore, but I'd imagine it gets pretty rowdy on Christmas night. Probably people are bored. Uh, but he's at Lou's diner. Frazier's in good enough spirits for where he is. Orders the Christmas platter, and that includes a turkey log. Mm. I love logs. I uh, yeah. I mean, and Lincoln logs, firewood logs, cheese logs, cheese log. I mean, 
there's just a brilliant amount of logs out summer, there. Summer sausage logs. Yeah, I mean, summer sausage comes in a, I mean, a lot of, I mean, sausage inherently what about guess, a is a lo- log. What about a loaf? Like Kenny Loggins? Um, <laughs> <laughs> loaf, I mean, meatloaf is okay. The artist and the food. Um, the ketchup really makes the food. No, you got to try my meatloaf. I bet you'd like that meatloaf. Gross. I'm not going to try your meatloaf. It's delicious. I put the orange marmalade on there. Oh, you're talking about your food? Oh, okay. F- yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, talking sorry, about the food. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I'm, food. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about something else no. at that point. Um, no, I'll, I'll try your food, your meatloaf sometimes. It's not tainted, is it? No. Okay, all right. It's professional. Professional. All right. You put cumin in it? No. All right, then I'm I'm out. <laughs> 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 I only eat cumin. Uh, cumin meatloaf. That's all. Cumin meatloaf. It should lead with that particular spice. It's good that they call it meatloaf and not meatlog. You're right. Um, I would be fine with the meatlog. You know, I mean, the meatlog, if it's it's good, I've got no problem with a slab of meat like that. I guess it's just a shape thing. Yeah, and I think it's not an appealing word. Meatlog. Yeah, exactly. Meatlog. Mm. I think Lincoln just cornered the market on it, and they're like, well, he took all the logs. It's synonymous with Lincoln. <laughs> that now. guy Lincoln freaking got to it before any of us even could. <laughs> you know, like we had turkey logs for years, and now we can't even brand these things anymore. <laughs> they just think they're Lincoln logs made of turkey. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, so Frazier quickly opens up to another patron uh, at the diner. Uh, this guy's played by Tom Finn. This dude has been in a ton of stuff. I thought a, I recognized that guy. He's in Catch Me If You Can as like Tom Hanks's like side assistant agent when they're out like taking notes and stuff like that yeah he like i looked up his imdb quickly i've got to do very little research but he did get a big role so i was like man this guy does talk a lot who is this dude right he has just been in a giant list of stuff usually as a like cop an agent like he's just been in tons of ncis csi like criminal murder you know all the procedural shows out there he's done an episode of just tons of stuff did you ever play a baseball player i'm sorry did he ever play a baseball player? i don't know if he ever played a baseball player I, right, you know, well. did he ever wear sandals i don't know i didn't look at his life history well, i didn't just ask him buddy I, I didn't see him in any sports movies when i was scrolling through it seemed like it was all like <laughs> these are rough dudes or like we need a gruff looking guy who just seems beat down by the world so i only bring i only bring it up because if you look at actors that play baseball players they also play cops oh it's like a thing is it a thing Mm -hmm. what is um i don't know why okay um dennis haysbert played the president in 24 and he was pedro serrano in major league um charlie sheen tom berenger you're just naming the whole cast of Major League. I was trying to think. I was like, those guys aren't cops. I'm like, okay, well, Tom Berenger was a substitute teacher once. That's kind of like a cop. Okay, the so <clears throat> here's an example. Are you just talking about the guy from Scrubs? The guy from Scrubs. <laughs> I was like, are you talking about one guy? The, who guy, was from, the guy from Scrubs was, was a cop in Seinfeld. Yeah. And he was a baseball player in Little Big League. Do you have any more to your argument other than one guy who played a baseball player one time as a cop? No. All right. I respect it. <laughs> this I, is where I actually respect this argument. This theory is based off of that. All right. I was just trying to go through quickly. I'm like, all right, Henry Rowan Gardner. No, I'm like, 
Gary Busey, maybe, but he's been everything. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who else was in that movie other than the guy from Scrubs or whatever. Uh, so it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, let me go to Major League. And I'm like, <laughs> I went to Field of Dreams quicker. I'm like, well, no, definitely not Costner and definitely not Ray Liotta. And I'm like, I don't know anybody else in that movie. So, Ray Liotta, no, Ray Liotta didn't play a cop. I mean, he was in, you know, Goodfellas or whatever. I just but watched he was not that. a cop. I, I watched mean, Goodfellas two nights ago. It's weird because I watched Goodfellas two nights ago and then t- uh, three nights ago, I watched Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's so both fr- on Netflix, right? It's very fr- yeah. That's the thing I was like, yeah, they're both out uh, there. No, it's either Netflix or HBO. I can't remember, but it's. You're right. It's one of those two. It is. It's fresh on my mind. Fresh on your mind. It's cool. We're just three hours into this stuff. We're going to get to the sideshow <laughs> at some point here, I assure you. Um, so, you exaggerate. <laughs> Frazier quickly finds out he's talking to. And do we know that he's a homeless guy or is he just down on his luck? Uh, you talking about the you talking about the guy at the diner? Yeah, Tom Finn. Is he, he legitimately look, homeless? He looks pretty homeless to me. Is it because the callback is that Stoltz mentions uh, on his card that he saw a homeless guy pick up his sneakers, yeah. and this guy we find out is the one who picked up his <laughs> sneakers. <laughs> he found the, the sneakers. He found the sneakers. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I had a pretty good day. Some guy drove off and left a pair of sneakers, and I picked them up. Okay, so, so probably a homeless guy. That's thing. I was like, well, homeless guys at a diner, so we. I mean, he's doing all right. That's what it's tough to tell. I was like, all right, he's just a down on his luck guy. So maybe yeah. he's just, he's living at the YMCA or something like that. He makes enough money to go out and eat and stuff like that sure. or whatever. Um, so n- another gentleman walks in after Frazier finishes his meal. Uh, and Frazier kindly offers him seat or mm-hmm. kindly offers him his seat mm-hmm. there. Um, and this is where we see Frazier go to the counter. Um, he can't pay. Mm. He doesn't have a wallet. Mm-mm. And you see, he doesn't have anything in his pockets. Should have been an indication that he's going to lose his keys later at this point. Well, you, uh, you would think that looking for your wallet, you would also realize that you don't have your keys. Right. The, the, when the uh, when that moment got there later in the episode, I was like, he should have known that by yeah. that point. He should have known, did I get robbed? Especially I don't have my wallet or my keys. Have I been robbed? Especially wearing some sweatpants. Yeah, that's it. Like, either something bad happened to me while I was in this diner, or I've lost everything. My thought would not be, oh, right, I left my wallet back at the station, but my keys are certainly... Where are my keys? Like right. you always look for your. You I mean, always. Pa- I do. I it's pack. keys, phone, and wallet. And like especially if you're wearing sweatpants, I happen to be wearing sweatpants at this very instant. Oh, I can tell. Yes, these are my these are my new ones. I love mm-hmm. these bad boys. Uh, but if you're if it, it, the, I feel that you are more aware of what you are carrying when you're wearing a loose pant. Everyone around you is too. We can see it all flopping. You that see that that flops. phone and the yeah. That phone's a flopper in those stretch pants you got there. That's true. It's worth it. I appreciate you dressing up for the show today. It's for comfort. I understand. It's comfort I changed reasons. out of mine before you got here. Well, you don't have to put on jeans just for little old me. Well, you're right. I mean, I just can't have my phone flopping around over here in this chair. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's a flopper. Uh, so, uh, so we'll get back to the keys in a second, but. The night, this is the Christmas sitcom spirit of this episode is that, hey, the homeless guy that Frazier's been speaking with, the other patrons of this diner who don't look like they're in a good position to get food, but this place is open. Sure. They graciously offer to pay for Frazier's meal. Sure. Um, the diner woman seems pretty ticked off about it. She's very ticked. Is that Lou? <laughs> yeah, that's probably her. That's Lou running it up front. I'm pretty sure that somebody called her Lou. Like they, oh, okay. they, somebody walked in and was like, "Hey, Lou." Oh, she's the owner. She's Lou. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, then, yeah, she would be upset. Um, but also, I mean, 
he's a guy on the radio. He could quickly be like, no, I work at the radio. I'm Frazier Crane. He did try and explain it, though. I mean, it wasn't for lack of trying. No, he didn't say the radio. He said, I left it at my office or something like that. You're like, no, I am... I'm a local personality. I would not walk in and stiff you. Hello, everyone here. I'm Frazier. Do you Grant. recognize my voice? Right. <laughs> I, I said, I am not going to stiff you on this money. I will come back and I will gladly reimburse you in like five minutes. And I assure you this will be taken care of. If not, here is my mailing address. You no, know, like, Lou wouldn't have that. I guess so. He's like, but this is why him dressing below his class is so important. Yeah, we were like, I wouldn't trust him either. But you know, and that's what's that's what's tricky. <laughs> um, so it's very nice. They all offer to buy him a meal. The homeless gentleman tells Frazier to not be embarrassed about this because that is, I think, that is something with wealthier to do people. I don't think they're as put off by getting favors from people i think the embarrassment is what got frazier here like he was touched genuinely by the gesture it seemed like and he mentions you people are can ill afford to spare any money and you're willing to give it to me thank you so he's touched by that but man my old man would constantly just god that's embarrassing or something like about something that i mean wasn't that embarrassing not like this or whatever but i think embarrassment is a big it's thing all for it's embarrassment sort of but like it's really i think like reputation under the guise of embarrassment right that's more what it was where i was like oh it seems like the embarrassment might have gotten to fraser here more so than the like oh, god i don't have my money and i took money from these people like it's afraid you're afraid to like ding your own status yeah because you're right because otherwise he could have gone to the station grab 200 bucks out of his ATM, come back and spread it around. If he knows these mm-hmm. dudes are homeless, like, dude, may, make him have a good Merry Christmas here or whatever. But he can't do that because during this, the dude says, don't be embarrassed. Christmas belongs to, he doesn't say dirt bags, but like, dude, regular like guys, guys, regular guys, not guys, guys that, guys not like, guys that drive fancy cars, gesturing <laughs> to Frazier's <laughs> Beamer or whatever he's driving at this point. Yeah. Not guys like them, not rich people and foreign cars is what he says. <laughs> Uh, so Frazier now has to leave. He tries to sneak out sheepishly to his car here. And this is where he realizes, shit, my I'm not, don't have my keys. That's where you're like, man, Frazier, what, I, I know it's TV and this is part of the gag, but he would have picked up on this earlier yes. or whatever. So um, he get Frazier walks back in. He gets too nervous to ask for him. Eventually just wishes everyone a Merry Christmas. Uh, homeless guy shoots Frazier a quarter, tells him to go call his old man. At this point, I had forgotten that he and Martin had even had a fight. Right. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, he's fighting with Martin. I forgot they had to tie up that storyline. Which they did not. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, yeah, they'll work it out. Um, And after that, it's like, I guess Frazier just walks, walks home, home, takes a cab. Well, then he, doesn't have any, ass, he doesn't have any money. Well, walk your ass back to the station. Like, I was but like, maybe that's where he went. He went back to the station, and then maybe he went back later. Took a cab. That's the thing. I was confused. I was like, there's no Uber at this point in time. He doesn't have cash, so maybe he just walked to the station. And you know then, the one person that's going to know? Lou. Lou will know, because you're going to have to get your keys back yeah, you at some go back point. Your you're going to have to come back with your ID. You're going to have to come back with the money, you would imagine. I mean, maybe not. You don't have to pay for it. The meal was paid for in full by other people, right. but... You know, it, 
So it was weird. I was like, how's Fraser getting home? Or what's his plan here? <laughs> like, he still doesn't have his keys. What's he doing? He could have just walked to the station before and just sorted I, all this out. I wish they would have done a scene with him just like walking along the side of the street, like kicking stuff. And then they're playing like the Charlie Brown, right. you know, dun, 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 or at dun, least dun. the credits give it to him. Yeah. Kicking, and they didn't. Credits we roll to here, and it's just Eddie opening yeah. gifts under the tree. Ripping so. gifts open. Ripping uh, you know, a, a fine little episode. A great Christmas episode yeah. for oh, yeah. sure. So. I like that episode of Frasier. Now, let's get to our sideshow here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> About the uh, the polar opposite of Frasier here for many of the viewers, Married with Children. This is also a Christmas episode called The Worst Noel. This is Season 8, Episode 13 for them. And this one aired on Sunday, December 19th, so a few days after Frasier that aired on the 16th there in 1993. And this one was on Fox. So... They will take a shot at NBC Frasier's network here later in the show, but <laughs> Married with Children was on the uh, the new Fox network or whatever here. So well, There was a big network wars at this time. Yes. Uh, and what happened in this one? On Christmas Eve, Kelly and Bud try to sneak in a jukebox to give their parents, who spend the entire show, sitting in front of their TV set arguing with each other over the proper speed for channel switching. So... Basically, Bud and Kelly found a jukebox is what is implied here. And then Al and Peggy just kind of sit on the couch and make jokes and switch around on the TV. Um, another little part of the storyline is that Marcy and Jefferson, their next door neighbors, are throwing a wild Christmas party and they decide to not tell Al about it. So it's a an actually pretty elegantly put together episode, all things considered, uh, in terms of acting and just how they get the most out of this set. Sure. But when was the last time you watched Married with Children? It's been a been a while for me. So <clears throat> I noticed that they had put it on a couple of years ago. They put it on some streaming service, and I was like, "Oh, sweet! I'm gonna start from the very beginning." I watched two episodes, and of course, like any series, it starts off very, very slow and very like undeveloped. And so I was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." So, I mean, I could have just skipped to, like, season two or three, you know what I mean? And it would have gotten rocking and rolling. Because it is super hilarious, mm-hmm. albeit uh, politically incorrect for now, but it is uh, it is super funny. I mean... I think a lot of it was, like, satirical at the time, where they knew damn well what they were doing. Right. You know, they were very aware of... It's like, they're just making fun of people like that, kind of. Like, almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what it seems like in hindsight. And when you look at some of the writing staff, you're like, man, I think these guys were pretty on top of it, actually, and knew that they were, like, very similar to The Simpsons. A lot of this stuff came off like The Simpsons, right. almost. We are like, oh, they're poking fun at that. They know what they're doing right. here. They it's don't... not as if it's like that's their views. Right, yeah. It, so it was an interesting thing to watch, because you're right, by season eight, far more developed than season one. So I, I think I tried to do the same thing you did. I think we talked about this, where I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And then, yeah, two episodes in, you're like, Ugh. there's no way I can do this. Yeah. But this is more the era of Married with Children I remember, mm-hmm. and identify liking a lot more because we got it a ton in syndication as kids. God, my parents hated when I watched, well, my mom hated when I watched Married with Children and Jerry Springer. Yeah, and I can see like why parents might think that on the surface because if you're watching Frasier, you're like, oh, okay, cool, my kid's watching Frasier. But if your kid's watching Married with Children, you're like, all right, there are cans all over this thing, you know, like 
I mean, in, not in this episode, but there are whole episodes where Al's just talking about big uns <laughs> and like pulling out nudie magazines, nudie magazines, and, and going, yeah, the the no mams and the oh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, no ma'am in and of itself, like just what a what an oddly prescient uh, way of like just looking at like, all right, what were just dumb guys already rebe- rebel have always rebelled against in some way, and like how far out will they take it? Basically, <laughs> a club, exactly, and they'll make some <laughs> dumb club. And now, unfortunately, that's all like internet conspiracy <laughs> theories, and it's gotten terrible. But like, it was really, I think they were just kids, like the little rascals boys club yeah. is all they were yeah. but they yeah <laughs> they would just go to the strip club together like it was so terrible <laughs> and they'd hang out in their garage they and held like actual I meetings and they're like what were these meetings for <laughs> like, like on the docket tonight we've got this this and this <laughs> that show was so stupid <laughs> so it's been a long time since i've watched any of that so <laughs> This episode was a nice one to just jump into and be like, okay, what's going on with Married with Children season eight? (laughs) And uh, it was actually quite amusing. (laughs) Um, It opens with Al and Bud on the couch. Um, And like I said, a very dumb It's a Wonderful Life bit that felt to me a lot like The Simpsons, where they are just scrolling through channels. They're like, it's a wonderful life. Coming up next, it's a wonderful life, you know? They got every single channel. And now a re-airing of what just aired. It's a wonderful life, <laughs> you know, just, oh my God, it's, we, you know, this is all there is. We, you know, this is all anyone plays. And there was one like that like caught, caught Al's attention. It was like something and he was like, all right. And it's like, after it's a wonderful life. There you like, go. Like, <laughs> say, it all reminded me of Homer, just channel flipping <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And up next, a two hour episode of mama's family. <laughs> and he's like, Ooh, <laughs> you, know, you know, Homer's all about it. Uh, so, but tells them to so they go through jokes on jokes i didn't pull all the audio for it soon enough we'll pull audio and bring some of that stuff in for all these crazy jokes that these people <laughs> roll out um but bud does tell al to take his wife down to almost steak almost steak <laughs> which is, again another like simpsons joke where it's like that's a very well like well thought out like almost sign gag that would be a simpsons sign gag yeah. where you just you know pan back in the background <laughs> And you see almost steak is like a restaurant <laughs> that just opened in Springfield. Um, so again, as I'm watching the first few minutes, I'm like, okay, these are some really sharp enough jokes. I'm like, these guys know they all, well, whoever the writers are on this, know what they're doing for this episode. Sure. So um, I didn't hate the jokes on jokes. Then Al finally lands on Christmas oil wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I think they're just making massive fun of this type of human, but the audience so into oh, it. They, like, yeah, the audience is like, just, yes. Woo, oil wrestling, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I loved the studio audience effect of this. It's just, it's so so dumb it would it would be the same group of people that would have gone to the studio audience of the man show you remember the man show well that one was legitimately bad at a certain (laughs) point and i think they started out being satirical and then same kind of thing i think you jimmy kimmel and other guys have gone on or not other guys adam carolla is still pretty but um (laughs) kimmel specifically i think was like yeah then we started getting followers and stuff that like didn't understand the satire which I think Chappelle was also mentioned about the Chappelle show a bunch too, where you're like, you know, a lot of this is satirical. 
satirical, right? This is not like, exactly like I'm not starting it, a club. I'm here. not endorsing yeah. a lot of what we're saying here. Like your life goal cannot be watching girls bouncing on trampolines. Right. Like that's a look, we're that's a fun gag. Oh <laughs> never, but like don't take it so literally. It, right. Exactly. <laughs> the objectification is not what we're going for here necessarily. That was it's anything with Christmas oil wrestling. Like it's no just surprise though that those audience members were like, "Yeah!" Right. <laughs> um, Christina Applegate enters, um, and then we see Bud uh, mention to her that, "Hey," or we see him reveal that the kids have gotten their parents an old jukebox. But the goal of this episode is to surprise them with it. They've got to sneak it into the house and past Al, who's on the couch. Whole episode, he's not going to move off this damn couch. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so uh, Al's so into oil wrestling they're like alright maybe we can sneak it by him for this area here he's he's dialed in but then Peggy Katie Seagal walks in um, enters to applause she's got shopping bags everywhere so is this a women be shopping gag or is that a recurring character theme that's a recurring character theme for, for, Peggy, Bundy. for Peggy Bundy she shops for herself and never buys anybody anything gotcha Al cannot make much of anything. He works at a shoe store in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Does he even manage it? No. Okay. That's the thing. I was like, what money does she have to spend? Is this a common gag throughout it as well? That like they're in massive debt. debt. Okay. I think the, I think the implication is she puts it on a credit card. Gotcha. All right. Uh, that, so I was like, is this because at Christmas time, you're like everybody's shopping for, sure. you know, everyone's like, all right, everyone's shopping. So I could not remember. Is that a gag throughout the series and a recurring bit that they do or what? Yeah. Uh, but I guess it's a runner. Uh, so she doesn't want to watch wrestling. Shocking. <laughs> the, your, your wife who shows up doesn't want to watch wrestling. Oil wrestling. Uh, Al, I think Al's big. He has one joke in here is like, I know why you don't want to watch it. Because it makes me happy or something <laughs> like that. He's like, anytime you see me happy, you want to crush my joy. Like, he goes off on her about something like that. And you're like, okay. Big theme in the show is that he does not want to be married for some reason. Even though Katie Seagal, Seagal is like such a catch and like such a great lady. All the women in this show yeah. like are beautiful women where like they're just all treated like garbage. But yeah. Marcy Darcy, I mean, Christina Applegate is kind of the object of desire mm -hmm. within the show, but I think she was also portraying a, like, high school girl mm -hmm. for most of the series. She's probably college-aged by now in this episode. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was playing the object of desire here. Anytime she enters, it is sexy woos yeah. from the audience, and... Like, okay, I, I get it, guys. You know, we got it. Cool it down on there's a hot blonde on the screen. We got <laughs> some misogyny guys. here, guys. Yeah, like, we get it. We get it. <laughs> um, but I think it is part of the bit almost. We're like, there's somebody in the, you know, leading the audience to do that and telling them to woo. And then the guys just embellish it how they want to embellish it, basically. Right. Um, but they know when to applause. They're kind of triggered. Applause sign will go on. Um, but. <laughs> She says she wants to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Al says they never made a sequel because after that guy came back, he ended up killing himself. Jeez. And this time he took that angel with him. <laughs> Which is one, one of my favorite jokes. To think that George Bailey got another shot at life and was like, 
fuck it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and this time when that angel comes back, when I go to the bridge, I'm going to take that fucker with me, too. I'm going to drag his ass over. Fuck you, Clarence. So I, I really like the just thinking about how that joke would work from a filming standpoint. <laughs> it's like, or like that was the epilogue or whatever after the the thing ended there or whatever so you're like okay <laughs> um al says all right i'm going back to wrestling uh of course like you mentioned peggy wants to hook up al is not interested that is a common theme i remember that's a recurring gag or whatever so you're like okay i don't know why al doesn't want to hook up with her I, the joke they make is that they did once on their honeymoon and he's never gotten over it or something yeah like, I, I don't i don't get it i mean i I see what they're trying to do, but Al is so horned up all the time. Yeah, he's watching oil wrestling uh-huh. and big guns, but I think the joke is just anything he wants or anything he can have, he doesn't, he doesn't want, want or whatever. Yeah. And like, so as soon as he married this woman and hooked up with her one time, now he no longer wants anything to do with her. You're like, okay. Um, Seems like an odd strategy. I don't know. Uh, I was so I looked up some stuff uh, lightly, and there is some I guess you call it a conspiracy theory about how programming like this is trying to destroy the family unit in the United States at this point in time. And so, I mean, that would align with the writing choices of this particular show. <laughs> what? Yeah destroy the family unit they're all hanging out together they're a beautiful Just, b- family b- because unit. of the fact that but because of the fact that al doesn't want anything to do with his wife and that's normalized i don't know i'm just saying it's not my theory bruh you need to get off 16 or 32 chan or wherever you're hanging <laughs> out for these weird conspiracy theories about the bundy family <laughs> and like i don't doubt that there were think pieces written about this show and how dumb and it was and how it was destroying american values and so like i don't doubt that one bit um but <laughs> the normalization of him not caring about his wife. You're like, buddy, have you seen the Kennedys or any politics? <laughs> and he's just like, I think that's been well normalized for quite some time now. <laughs> that like, is true. Like in American society, there is a long ingrained history of husbands not giving a crap about their wives for typically professional reasons in those scenarios, but often just, hey, whatever other thing comes my way, I'll do it. There. Sure. But Katie Seagal was committed to the family. She was going back into that Al Bundy well, even though it was a gross well to climb <laughs> into. So I applaud Peggy Bundy here. Uh, eventually she demands he change the channel. And then they do the 90s bit where they're changing the channel too fast. And Al, Al nails it. Uh, he goes through a thing where like he nails five shows in a row about like, here's what he saw within a couple seconds. With what, what was happening on screen. Yep. Incredible. Then we get Marcy Darcy finally entering, and that's the next door neighbor. She's mm-hmm. married to Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not make any jokes about her being a chicken or a lesbian in this episode. I do remember that being a common running gag where it's like, hey, Jefferson, why'd you marry the chicken? Yeah. Because she has no breasts or something <laughs> like that. I would think that was the joke that was always made. Like, you're married to a flat-chested boy or something like yes. that? Yes. <laughs> None of that in this episode. Little stick I, chicken legs. Yeah, and, yeah, right. But there was none of that in this episode, seemingly. They were in and out, and they were kind of just 
clowning Al the whole time. So he didn't get any burns in on Marcy. He was actually quite nice to the Yeah, he was Marcy tolerant of her being in his house. Yeah, so they come over. I think she asks to uh, take some chair or take some ice or whatever. And a chair. Something like that. Uh, exactly. So they're coming over and Al's like, man, you guys having a party this year? I really had a lot of fun at your party last year. And uh, they're like, no, we're definitely not having a party. Uh, at one point, Peggy does throw on I Love Lucy. And Al says the real star of I Love Lucy was Fred. <laughs> he said they should have killed off Ethel and Lucy and that illegal immigrant fellow, which I'm going to just <laughs> presume he means is Ricky here. I'm sure his immigration status was up to code um but i guess he presumed that he was an illegal or whatever um but he says they should have made fred a single guy and named it mertz's world mertz's world Like, what a stupid game. Like, that show would have had nothing. Like, that would have been terrible. I say that would have been the worst show ever. That would have been Fred just, just dreaming about the days that he was in vaudeville. And all, yeah, and all Fred did was penny pinch, and he was an a-hole to Ethel, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, Fred was the worst part of that show. I thought he was funny no, when William I was a William Frawley was hilarious, yeah, I, was like, I thought he was hilarious, but it's like, I would probably not watch Mertz's world. <laughs> no. Like, no way. No, the comedy there was definitely Lucille Ball. Yeah, so <laughs> Jefferson comes in, like you mentioned, takes the chairs, and then Al switches back off I Love Lucy, and he's now watching something called Psycho Dad. Yes, he loves Psycho Dad. Is that a common Psycho show? Dad is a, something he mentions all the time it in that show. It did seem familiar. Where I was like, Psycho Dad kind of seems familiar. Um, yeah, he gets real he get because they do that bit where he'll sing the he'll sing the psycho dad song this one i think was a christmas one <laughs> yes it was a psycho dad christmas special um but we are like more than halfway through the married with children episode and there was no commercial the whole thing is just al riffing on jokes then playing with the remote controller al burning i love lucy sure uh the kids trying to move in the background here or you know, get this jukebox passed on from either the little like basement set that's right off the main area or the backyard set that's also visible from from the, where the, the exactly home room. base there basically. Yeah. So, I mean, an incredible like when you look at it, you're like, this is like a theatrical stage play more than it is like a sitcom that has multiple sets and we're cutting between scenes all the time. It's like, pretty it, impressive because you're you're right. The entire episode was just the one set. Yeah, that was like man. I mean, with the exception of like when they showed the backyard shots, like right. out back. Exactly, they would go to the jukebox out in the backyard, and it was a real tight shot of just Kelly and uh, Bud. But, and the jukebox there and we'll get to where they're trying to like hoist this thing up into the back or whatever but in, about 20 minutes into the episode because you're watching it on hulu and you're like man where are the ads and you're like oh there haven't been ads for mm -hmm. like 18 straight minutes here like we have gone a long time did ed o'neill was he stand up i have no idea if he ever did stand up he was actually like stand up honestly he did a great job on this one carrying it and he's uh, brilliant sitcom actor he's gone on to modern family and yeah. done great stuff in other sitcoms yeah. so great in little giants if you don't amazing in little giants. <laughs> this is a outstanding little giants performance <laughs> um but it, when they go to commercial he even stands up and says i'm not happy about this commercial either <laughs> and referencing psycho dad i think but yeah. he looks i mean he breaks the fourth wall and he looks right into the camera talking to the audience as i'm not happy about this commercial so Somebody at Fox either couldn't sell advertising for this block or 
somebody was adamant that like, no, this is an impressive episode. We want them to do this all in this one spot. We're not going to anywhere else. We're not going to the shoe store. Sure. We're not going to hang out in the garage or anything like that. This is Al's episode. This is a family episode. So um, very impressive. So we return from break. It's clear Peggy went to the party. She's wearing a party hat after, <laughs> after the break. So again, Al knows this party's going on. Throughout the episode, we see that the party's clearly going on, but Al has not put it together. He's just too into the TV. He went to the bathroom during the break, too. So she Yes, he went out. to the bathroom, so she slipped out. <laughs> um, now we get Kelly and Bud trying to hoist this jukebox up to the upstairs room there. <laughs> um, it is not going well. Um, Bud keeps pulling on the rope that Kelly attached, and unfortunately... Kelly's upstairs and Bud's downstairs and she tied the jukebox to the or she tied the rope to the dresser. Yeah. So I don't know what they're trying to do with this pulley system, but Bud pulls the entire dresser down onto himself. It would be severely injured if this fell onto him, but there's another uh, recurring thing that they that they do with that dummy. But that's the thing where they th- I was just gonna mention <laughs> that they used to just throw dummies out. Like I love how it's dumb this so show funny. is. <laughs> they're like, oh, there's been an injury, and they just throw a butt, <laughs> a cheap bud dummy out on the screen. It just crumbles on the ground, and then so they, yeah, it's the best, dude. I'm probably gonna have to go back and watch some of these. <laughs> like, I'll pick it up at episode or season I, seven. I was or genuinely laughing through this episode. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I was like, this is probably a lot smarter than I gave it credit for. And I was a kid when I watched yeah. these, or something. Like, this is actually pretty intelligent. <laughs> like, okay, um, so. <laughs> uh, Bud pulls on the rope. Yeah, yeah, pulls down on himself. Um, a Malcolm Xmas comes on television, and <laughs> Al is very upset. He did not uh, like he that. He did not like Malcolm Xmas. <laughs> the Cheers finale comes on, and Al burns ABC or NBC by saying, "What does NBC know about television?" or something like that. And you're like, "Okay." So Fox takes a shot, taking some stabs. Yeah, where they're like, they can't even air Christmas program. They'll <laughs> air that Cheers finale again just to boost ratings or something, you know. And you're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, Marcy re-enters. She's now dressed as a sexy Mrs. Claus, so she's changed during the party. <laughs> she's intoxicated. Yes, yeah, she is in part. She is intoxicated. Uh, then we see Peggy start shopping on the Home Shopping Network. <laughs> Man, I loved this gag real quick because I just forgot that people were so addicted to like, call now and, you know, you've got to do it now because you didn't know back then. Right. Like if, if that commercial didn't air for another week or you weren't watching at, you know, the time of day that that thing came on and it was late at night, like, how am I going to get this number again? If I don't have a pen and paper and I don't write it down, it's go- I, I, I got to call now. Yeah, I, I got to catch it the now. next time. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't tell if this was home shopping network, but I believe it was. Sure. So this was not just a rando infomercial. She was channel flipping. saw the home shopping network, picked it up and started calling immediately. Cause they probably had some deal running. Um, <laughs> Al mentions that, uh, he's constantly, he's been looking at some like uh, pocket fisherman. <laughs> and so I, I like that gag. I'm looking at pocket fisherman. Okay. Uh, A <laughs> and E airs a Hitler Christmas for some reason. That seems more like A and E now, but it seems like a uh, like more real um, artistic piece back then when they were referencing it. They're like, make sure I don't ever show up on A and E anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I think they just air like little people shows or like big 
600 pound show now, now. like yeah. they're a weird network i never get over they're like a, a tlc e. now or something they're like a they, they've changed and like, yeah, they, like even tlc block. tlc used to be i mean the learning channel I know, yeah I, arts and entertainment i'm like is this artistic yeah. i'm like i don't know what's going on yeah on formats A&E. are all screwed up now yeah they're just brand names basically we're like okay yeah. i don't know what this is anymore i think television stations are just dying honestly so <laughs> yep, that's, that's true <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's happening then a country Christmas mixtape commercial air. So these are also big in the 90s. So we kind of get a little hint of what's going on on 90s TV, right. basically. So I liked a lot of the gags in this episode. Um, then we get to the Bundy couch. They're back. The kids have broken the jukebox. It smashes to pieces. The power goes out. <laughs> Al starts praying. <laughs> Bud and Kelly enter after the jukebox, or the jukebox is smashed. They have one record left from the jukebox. Al is genuinely touched by this gesture. Yeah. Because the kids were trying to give them something nice. They found this jukebox. They wanted to do something. They had tried all episode to sneak it past them to surprise their kid or surprise their parents. Yeah. So again, a genuinely nice gesture from the Bundy children here. Yeah. Uh, but they only have one record left. It warms Al's heart. Mm-hmm. They look at the record. It's Nat King Cole. A Christmas song or whatever there. Is it a Christmas song? Yeah, chestnuts, gotcha. chestnuts roasting. Peggy says she's so happy to hear Nat without Natalie. <laughs> I was like, what a, what a dig. I was like, I mean, it's a trendy pop culture dig at the time or whatever. But I was like, okay, I did not see that joke coming. I, was like, <laughs> I definitely did not. I was like, certainly, I, I was like, okay, a Natalie Cole joke in here. All right. Cool. She, I guess she was more popular in 93. Yes, she was. Yeah. That, that's what I was like, oh, man, that was a uh, deep cut. Like, I was like, I never think about that Natalie Cole version anymore. I always listen to the original. I forgot that they, like, remixed it and re-released it and did stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So was a funny little joke. <laughs> um, they put it on. The family is together. The you know the episode's ending. They're all right there in one little room. It's a, a very nice episode. They put the record on to listen to it as a family. And then it just starts scratching about four seconds in, <laughs> and it goes into a wild loop. Uh-huh. And that's how the episode ends. And they cut to credit. So a very contained episode. It does not leave really their home in any way shape or form it's home and backyard and i like how you put it and you said it was kind of like a stage production like it was like a play that's what most it's really ep- cool th- th- you see a lot of, i mean i don't have them off the top of my head but there are a lot of fraser episodes that you sit down and you're like man they're really not going anywhere mm-hmm. this is just everyone in the apartment or everyone in the ski lodge you know and you're like this is all just context moving from room to room or using this main set as jumping off ground or your That's peak room. acting man it, it is and it's got to be great writing to keep you moving but yes both of those things combined make it all work and then good directing as well obviously good well, shout out to the directors out there because i don't know how the hell to do any of that crap what's the last play you went and saw oh man good question it's probably a musical versus a play i can't say that i've seen any I mean, that's the thing. I think I saw Book of Mormon. I've seen. Oh, some I other, still want to see that. I yeah, think I've seen some other musicals. I can't remember the last just straight up play I went and saw. I honestly couldn't tell. You. It might have been high school or college since I've seen a play. I play. think mine was high school. Yeah. The last time I saw like a play, play. I went on a date to Kitchen Dog Theater mm-hmm. and uh, saw some play about ninjas. It was cool. It was interesting. There was a lot of like stuff. You know, people come down from the ceiling. But <clears throat> I uh, I had this terrible habit 
for some reason, it was real popular Popcorn in, in Dallas, Texas. Nope, to dip. Everybody dipped. Lots of people still dip you in remember, Texas. You remember dip? Yeah, I mean, I was, again, there are many people who still use the uh, the lip tobacco. The lip tobacco. That's right. Yep. And so for, for whatever reason, I had, uh, I think I had a dip in, uh, and like I snuck it in, but I couldn't, uh, you know, spit it out. Oh, and, on your date? Why yeah. not? You, you mean chicks don't love chicks uh, don't love spit that? Cups? Nope. Chip, chicks don't love a spit cup. <laughs> you get a bag of chips. Yeah, you just <laughs> said it right there. You just finish off that bag of chips and then you just spit in the chips. And then yeah. when she grabs one, she's like, "Oh my god, that was awful." I had to keep getting up and going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that was for that popcorn trick thing I mentioned earlier. I'm pretty sure that'll Stupid. happen in the theater. Uh, yes, that wraps up this episode. I think next week we're back with uh, guess who's coming to breakfast is episode 13 of season one uh, for Frasier. Mm. And so we'll talk about that one. Our sideshow for next week, we will reveal next week. TBD, uh, baby. That's right. You never know what will change. We have one on the list, but last minute we may look at it and be like, God, that episode really looks like a not fun time. No, uh, we got to so, give our, so we got to set ourselves up for success. Ideally. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, if you want to know more about our format, we try to flip flop them between, uh, you know, maybe serious stuff and more fun stuff or like i think we're about to get into like new pilot season after the start of the year here. yeah so we're at christmas time but there will be some spring shows that debut like the critic i think debuts this spring sister sister i Ooh. think is on our list and then we may have some finales as well so any like premiere that we can catch any big finale we'll try to catch those in there um because again if it were up to us it would be, it is actually, uh, but <laughs> I would just talk about Seinfeld and Simpsons, Simpsons and like the stuff I like the most, but yeah. it's, we're trying to go through it all. It's fun. So if you dig it, Hey, you know, go tell people or give us a rating on those podcast apps. I'm told that helps. Um, I don't know. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and I don't know, maybe we have a Facebook page. I'm not on the talk. Um, but yes, yeah, Sideshow Frasier pretty much everywhere. Check that stuff out and uh, stay tuned for another exciting uh, edition next week. Mm-hmm.